Hello, this is Gary Hutchins, minister with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, Nebraska, and we welcome you to Search the Scriptures. We appreciate you tuning in to Search the Scriptures. We hope that you are doing so every day at this time. And we hope that you are being motivated, at least greatly, because you are realizing that you're actually learning the Bible on this radio program. We strive to do exactly as the name Search the Scriptures suggests. We get into God's Word, we dig beneath the surface, look at it in depth and in detail, and yet we strive to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your personal life. We want you to do more, though, than just listen to a radio program. We'd love to send you a free Bible study through the regular mail. We send it all over this area and across the country, literally. And when we say free, we mean exactly that. We'll even pay the postage both ways. Why don't you have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready? We'll give you all of the information how you can receive that free Bible study at the end of the program today. We'd also love to have you come and worship with us and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. If you want to find a church that teaches the Bible, we want to encourage you to come and worship and study with us. Now, you're not going to find a band. You're not going to find a theatrical production. You're going to find a church that simply strives to be that church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. We'll give you the times of our services and the address of our church building at the end of the program today. We hope to see you soon. It is good to be back today with Dwayne Kennedy. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be back with you and with Dennis Stackhouse and our listening audience. Dennis, good to be with you too, brother. Yes, thank you, Gary and Dwayne. Always a pleasure to be with you. Always good to have our listeners ready to open the Bible and get into God's Word together. And we do want to remind our our listeners that if you would like to receive a copy of this radio program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures, you can have a free copy on CD just for the asking. And when we say free, we mean exactly that. All you have to do is contact us, and we will send you a copy on CD absolutely free. We'll pay the postage, too. So, again, we'll give you that information how to contact us at the end of the program today. Well, fellas, we have uh, gotten into what I believe is a very pertinent and relevant study for everybody who is old enough to understand the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness, between sin and godliness, uh, alive today. And in any generation, we're talking about the struggle that each of us faces within our own lives. Now, we in our last program, we set the stage for this by going back to the book of Revelation. We looked in chapter 12, where the pre-human historical uh, event seems to have taken place in heaven that turned the devil against God, and uh, forever thereafter, it seems, at least forever thereafter from our human standpoint, uh, the devil now stands against God and tries to uh, bring his followers down. And ultimately, that's us. And so we saw there at the end of that particular chapter where he began to make war on the church. And then we looked in chapter 20 where there would come a time where he would be restricted from making that war. I think 
we have lived through that time or perhaps are still living through that time. And then he would be released from that restriction. And that's, we're talking about the being bound for a thousand years and so on. A thousand years there doesn't mean literally a thousand years. It simply means a long, complete period of time. Uh, the numerology indicates that. Uh, but when he is released from that bondage, then he goes right back to de- what's called deceiving the nations. And the description of that is very quickly again, he's making war on the church again. Right. And, and it seems to be in a worldwide fashion as he had been doing before that restriction was placed upon him in the beginning of chapter 20. Now, the point we tried to make there was that just as, and I believe as much of the book of Revelation describes, as the devil made war in the church through the agents of Rome, her military and governmental might and power, uh, during the first few centuries of the, of the church's existence, God ultimately did not let that war succeed. And Rome fell rather than the church fell. Yes. Now, and we know that historically, don't we? Yes, right. that's right. I mean, we're not talking about something obscure here and something that we're making up. We can read historically that Rome literally made war on the church. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we are, we're just aware of. We are aware of our own history. That's correct. Now, I think the book of Revelation simply depicts this in a very uh, graphic and, uh, you know, uh, symbolic way through the use of apocalyptic literature. Now, at the end of chapter 20, when the devil is released, or later in chapter 20, he goes back and makes war on the church again. And then, if you read the text through, God stops that again. He will, he will not allow the church to be taken down from without. Now, then we went back to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and we looked at five of those letters to the seven churches there. And we found that five of those seven congregations of the Lord's church were warned that their sin within you, within the camp, within those congregations, and that you better repent if you do not want to lose your identity as the church. Now, we closed by talking about that's the only way the devil can bring down the church. He has to get into, he has to get inside of the church. And of course, he only can do that through the lives of the individual Christians who make up the church. And Dwayne, you pointed out that lots of times he'll do that by means of stirring up strife and contention, and that becomes a major focus within an individual congregation. And of course, when that happens, it just uh, has a devastating effect upon the, the effectiveness and the work of the church, doesn't it? It does. It is no longer being accomplished in our communities and in the lives of the people that we encounter because we are so wrapped up, so consumed by our internal problems. And the devil wins Yes. then. But he wins because he's gotten inside the church inside the lives of individual members. Now, Dennis, another way that I that I, you know, emphasized last time is that uh, another way he gets within the church and becomes effect- effective in stymieing or bringing the church down, or at least making it ineffective, is by getting into the lives of individual members who become sinful. They start 
taking part in all kinds of ungodliness. And once again, then, that, that influence can spread through the congregation, and the congregation can become more and more ineffective. Yes, that's right, Gary. And uh, the Apostle Paul, as I believe you pointed out last time, made the statement that a little leaven can leaven the whole lump, uh, using an analogy to baking, uh, making bread specifically, how that little bit of leaven in there will spread throughout the whole lump of dough very quickly. And of course, uh, we can probably think of it in terms of uh, a piece of fruit. You know, if we have a basket with some apples in it, and one of those apples develops a rotten spot, it's not long until we see those rotten spots spreading throughout the other apples in the basket as well. That's correct, because the apples that are touching the rotten spot on the rotten apple, they become, we could call it infected. That's that's right. And then as they turn rotten, then they infect other apples around them, and ultimately it does spread. Yes. Now, that's the principle, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the principle. But now, what we, we really did in, in, in going through this particular scenario in our last program was to set up the, the emphasis and the direction that we really want to go in in this lesson, and that is within the life of the individual. Each one of us has a struggle going on within us, and we need to be asking ourselves, how are we doing with that struggle? How are we how are we relating to it? How are we uh, responding to that struggle, that spiritual struggle within us? And if you say, oh, I don't have any spiritual struggle going on, going on within me, the devil's probably already got you then. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes. We need to recognize that Satan is seeking an opportunity to devour us. He is our adversary, and we need to thwart that effort in our own lives first and foremost. Absolutely. Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 7. And this is probably the classic text, I would think, probably in all of Scripture that deals with this particular problem. And, And I think it is a very graphic text, one that we ought to really be able to relate to. And as I said, I think this is something that's relevant for every single one of us. I know it it is for me, and I'm sure it is for you, Dennis, and you, uh, Dwayne, and I know it's got to be relevant for every one of our listeners out there, and I think for everyone who's old enough to know what sin is all about. Let's begin reading. If one of you would pick that up, Romans chapter 7, and let's begin reading with verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual... But I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Now, Dwayne, let's stop for a moment here. When Paul says... We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Now, what, what does he mean by carnal there? Of the flesh, uh, given to the flesh and following its desires. All right. 
and and we do have that carnal side of us, aren't we? Yes. Do, don't we? I mean, and and ultimately, we're living a fleshly existence as we are human beings alive in this world. Indeed. Now, in that in that respect and in that identity, then we're we are are uh, under the influence of all that the, the devil might throw at us, aren't we? All the time, yes. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we have to give in to it, right. but it means we are, you know, kind of under the barrage, so to speak. Yes. Now, unfortunately, we know that, that we all give in to sin. And we could go back to Romans chapter 3, and we could read what Paul has to say about that in particular, and all of us need to be open and honest about this reality in our lives because it relates to what we're, we're really getting into in Romans chapter 7. Uh, Dennis, how about reading there beginning with verse 9? What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does does good. No, not one. And what about verse 23 there also? Verse 23 reads, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think we we read there about three or four different times, don't we, that that we sin. No one's excluded. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> if we're old enough to understand the concept of righteousness versus unrighteousness, then we know that we've already sinned. Yes. At the same time, we cannot say within ourselves that I am helpless, hopeless, and I can't help myself. There's nothing I can do. I might as well give in. I don't think God is teaching us that. Absolutely not. In fact, and we've looked at this different times in our in our studies, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, exactly. what does, what does Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul or God through the Apostle Paul assure us if we want to live our lives for God? What does he say there? He tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Amen. Now that's assuring, isn't it? Yes. Oh, very much. Assuring. So God has fixed it so we do not have to sin, but he is also honest with us and just in telling us, but you all sin. And that's why you needed my son to come and go to the cross and die for you to pay that price for the guilt of your sins so that you could be redeemed from the, from the guilt of your sin and the condemnation of your sin. So we come back to Romans chapter 7. And, and Dwayne, as, as you read a moment ago, Paul says, what I am doing I do not understand, verse 15. For what I will to do, in other words, that which I want to do, or, or what I say I want to do at least, I do not do that. But what I hate, that I do. Dwayne, how do you relate to that? Well, you know, it's we, we go against ourselves. We desire earnestly to do the will of God and make every effort 
but we find ourselves in moments of weakness giving in to temptation, doing the exact opposite of the will of God and serving Satan instead. Amazing, isn't it? Yes. We know what we ought to be doing. And, and Dennis, I think, I, I think Paul is trying to get across the idea there too, at least inherent within the, the understanding of the, 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 the verse here, is that we know what's best for us, but oh. we still don't do it. Yes, I think so, Gary. It's, again, you can go back to the verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, and we need to emphasize that God is telling us He's faithful. And there are a couple of ways in that verse we can see His faithfulness, and one is He won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. And the other thing is, with the temptation, He's going to provide a way of escape. Now, I know that intellectually, but sometimes my life doesn't catch up with what I know intellectually. And you know, I, I think it's what we're talking about here in Romans chapter 7. I know intellectually the right thing to do, but I don't always do it. I don't always take that way of escape that God affords. Sure. Think about, and this might be something of a trite comparison, but think about that person who we would say is uh, very overweight. They need to lose 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds. They have been overweight long enough that it is now affecting their health. They perhaps have sugar diabetes, or maybe they have a heart condition that they really need to, to get under control, but the weight is what is really pushing the condition. And so they know they've got to lose weight. But boy, they go out to a restaurant and they have some of the best strawberry shortcake at that <laughs> restaurant that they have ever had in their life and they order it and it comes to them and oh my, it just heaping ice cream and strawberries in that, that sweet syrup and mounds of whipped cream on top of it all. And that's following fried chicken and mashed potatoes for gravy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and there's no calories in any of it. Of oh, yes, yes. Now, for the ecstasy of the moment, they indulge themselves. And then, a few moments later, they realize what they've done. And they say, I did it again. Yeah. Boy, did I mess up again. And they, they may be at that point feeling overstuffed, and now they're uncomfortable physically, but they're certainly uncomfortable emotionally because they know they, they messed up. They, they did what they were not supposed to do. And so the struggle goes on within them. And I think it's intuitive that you mentioned the ecstasy of the moment in yes. that, Gary, and, and I think it does relate well to the sin that we're talking about. Uh, people sometimes may get the idea, well, I'll give in just this once, but, but that's all. Never again. I won't do it anymore. Yeah, this is, this is the last time yeah. of 20,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and once we give in that first time, it becomes easier the next time and the next time, and the next time. Yes, it does. You know, it's like a young man who I, I know, who, uh, now he's older now and he has straightened out his life, but 
he at one point got into some sexual sin, apparently. And I know that a, an older brother in the congregation was talking to him and talking to him about how you need to come out of that. And he described it as being almost like a drug. He said, you know, it's, it's like I almost have to have it. Well, he had indulged himself that first time and then the second time. And mm-hmm. then it wasn't long before it was overwhelming, it seemed. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be sexual sin. That's just one of the more common ones and a very debilitating one. But think about the individual who lies and finds Mm -hmm. it so easy to lie the next time. In fact, he finds Mm -hmm. it absolutely necessary a lot of times because he's got to cover up his his previous lies. That's right. Or it could be an individual who has a bad temper or someone Mm -hmm. who gossips. Mm -hmm. We could go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Once they get into that pit of sin, they find it's a whole lot easier to continue therein than to try to climb and claw their way out of it. But with God's help, he says, you don't have to claw all the way. I'll throw you a ladder. Yes. I'll extend you a hand. I'll help you out of the pit. Mm-hmm. And Gary, I would like to mention uh, very quickly the other area that we struggle with as far as sin is concerned, and that's the failure to do good. In James chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's an entire another area that we very seldom think about and very seldom focus on. You, you know, Dwayne, and, and I think, you know, from what you're talking about here is the principle that if we will take up our time doing good, we'll find that evil has a whole lot less opportunity in our lives. That's right. That's one of the best ways to stay away from from sin, is to consume ourselves in in living righteously. And the reason that we have so much sin is that we we don't do that. We don't take advantage of the opportunity to do good, replacing even if we repent of doing wrong, we don't replace it with doing good. That's right. That's right. And that is a catastrophic mistake. Now, as, as we come toward the close of our time today, I want to look at some other translations in verse 15 where Paul says, uh, For what I am doing, I do not understand. Now, interesting. And, and I think a lot of people would say something akin to that. I don't understand. Why am I doing this? Why do I keep getting involved in this sin? Why do I keep going back to these things that I know are wrong and that I don't want to do, but I find myself jumping right back in? In the Revised Standard Version, it translates it, I do not understand my own actions. In the Phillips rendering, it has, my own behavior baffles me. Phillips, in his translation, says, my own, uh, I'm sorry, I was reading Phillips back then. The New New English Bible says, I do not even acknowledge my own actions as mine. The NIV says, I do not understand what I do. And the American Standard Version says, for that which I do, I know not. Now, I think what some of this is trying to get across is the idea that I don't understand why I'm doing this. 
it, it's and, and a lot of people would probably say it's like somebody else. I'm looking at somebody else doing these things here. It's almost as if we step outside of ourselves. Yes, because we know that's wrong. Mm-hmm. We know, and, and, and we don't want to do it, but we keep doing it. Yes, and that, I think, uh, sheds a great deal of importance on the verse that Duane mentioned in James 4.17, when we know the right thing to do and don't do it, it's sin to us. And, and as we pointed out earlier, Gary, many times we know the right thing to do. That's right. That's right. Well, and with that statement, we need to bring our study today to a close, but we're going to come right back and pick up next time. If you'd like to study these matters more fully, right from the Bible, in the privacy of your own home, then contact us and request that free Bible study that we talked about earlier. You can receive it simply by writing to us at Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68164. Sunny Slope, Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68164. You can phone us at 402-498-8397. 402-498-8397. You can email us at sunnyslope, all one word, S-U-N-N-Y-S-L-O-P-E, at Church of Christ, again, all one word, sunnyslope at churchofchrist.com. You can visit us on the web at www.churchofchrist.com, www.churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link, and you can make your request that way. And again, this study is absolutely free. We'll even pay the postage both ways. You can also receive a copy of today's lesson, on CD, also for free, and again, we'll pay the postage. Now, we'd love to have you do more, though, than just listen to this program, and even to receive that Bible study. We'd love to have you come and worship, and study, and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We'd love to meet you and get let you get to meet us, and observe a church that is simply trying to be the church of the Bible, nothing more, nothing less a church where you can really come and learn God's Word. Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 9.30, classes for virtually all ages, and all ages really do study the Bible, followed by worship at 10.30 each Sunday morning. Sunday evening worship begins at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening, and right in the middle of the week, a good time to stop and get your spiritual batteries recharged in the midst of all the busyness of what we do every week, Midweek Bible classes every Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. You're always welcome to any and all of our regular services. We hope to see you soon. Until then, read your Bible and may God guide you and bless you as you study His Word.